Tumbling Saber is proud to present the Luminous Beings Podcast. Deep dive conversations into the heart of Star Wars. Brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Patreon community. Become a powerful friend today and get access to tons of our exclusive and early access audio content at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome back. It's time for another episode of Luminous Beings. This week we're talking about brainwashing and breakthroughs and how Finn knows what he knows. And I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and with me is... Nathan. Hey, how's it going, Nathan? Not bad, not bad. Excellent. Uh, This is the Sunday following the release of the Rise of Skywalker trailer, and we're still real giddy about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, and it's, it's sending us down different paths here, thinking about... Uh, our rebellion or resistance heroes and uh, the finale of the of this saga what have i done with my life <laughs> why why are we why are we doing what we're doing <laughs> because we're insane and we love it and we know you guys do too so uh this week's topic like i mentioned is about finn and uh, how he kind of broke through his programming his brainwashing that first order indoctrination uh, to become the person that we know now uh, because when in the first part of The Force Awakens, when they all kind of congregate on board the Falcon, Han and Chewie were home. In, the, in those early conversations, Finn refers to Han Solo as, as a rebellion hero. And Chewie's like, no, no, no. <laughs> sure, you call him a hero. He's just he's an idiot to me. You call him a hero. So uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, if Finn were brainwashed and conditioned by the First Order as, as from the time of birth, like... He would have never referred to Han Solo that way. He would have referred to Han Solo as uh, the rebel terrorist, the the criminal, the murderer, the guy who helped blow up the Death Star. Like, and ex- Han Solo was an extremist, scum, all that stuff. So I'm I I don't understand why Finn, just on the drop of a hat, he has that awakening at the village on Jakku. He decides not to kill, but in that moment, it's maybe it is maybe recontextualized everything Finn knows in that one instant, which which seems crazy to have everything that you know in your life completely inverted in your own brain instantaneously. So is I'm wondering what's what's up with that? Is that dialogue for convenience sake just to catch the audience up or is there more to it? So Nathan, I'll, I'll give you the baton first on this one. What do you, what do you think? Is this, I, I personally don't think things are done in star Wars by accident. But what's your take on this? Well, I just want to preface saying that I'm I'm slowly I've been slowly uh, rereading a lot of the Journey to uh, the Force Awakens material that came out, God, four four years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't remember a lot of it uh, because at the time it seemed so inse- inconsequential. Um, you know, once the movie came out and we realized that so much of it was sort of uh, just tangentially related to the movie. Uh, but I want to go back, I'm going back and, and trying to make those connections now to see if they were trying to um, introduce overarching themes and that kind of thing. Uh, so I wish I had read uh, Before the Awakening, uh, before we got, got to this episode, but I got a feeling that once I reread that, I might have some uh, more insights that I would have otherwise, but Finn's Finn's become one of the most interesting characters in uh, the sequel trilogy for me. Uh, he didn't start out that way, I, you know. He, he, I always liked Finn. Who doesn't like Finn? Unless you're an asshole on the internet. Well, you have but, to be. You have to be. You have to be pretty dead inside, not to at yeah. least like Finn. Yeah, I mean, he, he just. He's so, even when he's down, he's he's just he's such a joyful character, you know. When <laughs> you know, on Twitter and stuff, uh, this week we've been seeing 
people talk about the woos, <laughs> <laughs> Finn's woos. Uh, yeah, Finn, as far as his turn, uh, he, I feel like the point they were trying to make with Finn was that there's good in everybody. And I mean, this, this is a sticky, sticky subject when you're talking about space Nazis, but, (laughs) uh, you know, you can, you can look at, um, you can look at, watch Star Wars with different degrees of metaphor in mind, you know, you can say, okay, they're, they're space Nazis, or you can say, okay, well, it's a metaphor for, for this or this or this, or, you know, you can, you can pull out whatever inspiration or um, lessons you want to, and it doesn't have to be exactly analogous to space Nazis. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and, you know, this is, that's been a part of Star Wars for a long time, you know, you get 501st and, and that kind of thing, and you have people who are fans of the Empire, and and that's that's all fine. It's great. It's not hurting anybody. Doesn't doesn't reflect <laughs> your belief system because you like uh, the villains in a movie. No. Uh, but I think that's the underlying message of of Finn being a stormtrooper. Other than it just being a really interesting take that we haven't really seen before in a movie in a Star Wars movie. Uh, I think it's that. It's never too late to turn around and, and change your ways and, and start making amends. Uh, I'm sounding like a Raylo, but <laughs> that's fine. Well, I mean, no, not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> no. um, that that is sort of like an, an definitely an overarching thing. Like whether you're just a regular stormtrooper like Finn, you can make that choice. Uh, whether you're Anakin Skywalker and you've turned to evil you can still make the choice to stop being such an asshole right and and turn back so that it's yeah it's definitely there to, for, for the taking no matter what walk of life you come from uh there's there is a, always a better choice to make um and like you talked about like you were talking about before the awakening I didn't read it either but I still remember the story um vaguely there was, I think Finn was always presented as there's there's a little bit more to this guy. Yeah, he's he what he was, you know he all, he was very highly ranked within the stormtrooper recruits and you know, he was he was a good combat soldier and he, he he always had good air quotes grades as a stormtrooper. So the first order always had uh, high hopes for him. So but something changed. Something definitely changed with Finn and it did it, it manifested itself at that village slaughter and he made a choice to not kill anybody in that, in that scenario, even when under orders to, even when Kylo Ren is there and Phasma is there, he, he just can't do it for some reason. And that always struck me as, um, important and, and different. It didn't seem like he was making the choice because it was wrong. It seemed like the, he seemed conflicted in the moment, like something he, like something was telling him not to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't sort of the, I'm not going to do this and I'm I'm going to walk away. Like he seemed panicked. He was panicked. Like something came over him and it it really threw him for a loop. So I'm I'm wondering what all that is about, and I I I've never been able to put that away. This has been on my mind for four years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and when we follow Finn as he escapes the first order, eventually meeting up with Ray and that conversation, uh, on the Falcon, wasn't he a war hero? Like I, Mm -hmm. I I get it. I, I, I know I'm probably looking too hard into this moment as it's probably, probably just uh, meant to be exposition to catch new viewers up or casual fans up with who's who. Um, but I, I like us sickos who sit here and talk about these movies incessantly and, and probably break them down more than they're, intended to be like I, I think it's one thing for finn to have that moment of clarity that killing innocent people is wrong uh, but I, I do think it's an it's another for him to know that han solo is a war hero when 
which which is true. I mean, from us in the God seat watching these movies, it's true. Han Solo is a war hero. Mm-hmm. But in that lifetime of brainwashing, I can't see a realistic way in which Finn would have, again, flipped everything he knew on its head. And it, this is within hours, right? Or maybe a day since he, he sort of abandons the First Order on the finalizer. Like, I I I. I can't figure it out, man. I just, I don't know if I should just leave this and we call this a 10 minute episode. And uh, it's just, this is just the way that JJ wrote the movie so that we follow the story quicker. But uh, I don't know. What's the deal? Like I, I'm trying to think of some possible ex- explanations for how Finn sort of reparsed everything that he knew, everything that he knew in his life. And uh is there something special at play for Finn, i.e. the Force? That's always been a thing. Like, a lot of people feel like Finn has a, a greater destiny and is is Force-sensitive. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll find out in the next couple months. <laughs> you know, he did get to carry on that saber for a while. Was that is that foreshadowing or is that convenience? I don't know what what that is. Is he is he simply just a bug in the system, like Phasma says? Uh, is that first order brainwashing just not as effective as Hux and everybody believes? Although, as far as we know, Finn is the only one to break that programming out of probably millions of troops, so it's probably pretty effective. Or is is it again that Star Wars thing where you just everybody has that innate goodness, that little speck, even though you if you go through some stuff. There is still that little piece of humanity left in you that you can always uh, turn to at any moment. Like, is is it any one of those four for you, <laughs> uh, or something else? But, well, I, Finn seems to have been uh, going. One of the great things about what they've done with Finn is that. They haven't, um, like, they didn't just make it a snap. Like, he's been sort of on this path, well, for two movies now, for sure. You know, it starts in, well, from what we see, it starts in TFA and goes through uh, TLJ. And presumably he will be close to resolving it if he hasn't resolved the issue. It seems like he's resolved the issue by... Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I like that they didn't make it just a snap. Okay, he's good now. It's sort of, no, he snapped out. He's not evil anymore, but he's not for the re- resistance either. He's not playing either side. He's sort of, he's still, he's out for himself for the first two movies, really. Well, he, for the first movie, he's really out for himself. Um, and then towards the end of TFA, he's out for Ray, and then we see that continue through the Last Jedi, where he's out for Ray, and then well, even through the course like the, of that movie, he becomes for the Resistance. Yeah, and that's to me that's you know that's the importance of the Canto Bite sequence is that it really through Rose. Because he gets there and he's like, whoa, this is amazing. And all this money and glamour everywhere. And it's like, this. Is, I, get, I, I get to indulge in this. Like, let's just do this. Let's have some fun. And yeah. Rose is the one opening his eyes to uh, the injustice of it all, the, the inequity of it all. And right. I think after that point, once we, once we leave Canto Bite, I think at that point Finn has decided, okay, you know what? Like, I've been blind. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been blind to all the stuff going on. Like Rose's story about the First Order shelling her family. Maybe it's triggered some guilt in him because he was part of that First Order machine. But her story about about how her, her and her sister, their, their homeworld was shelled by the First Order, by the weapons mm-hmm. that they helped build. Uh, so I think by that point, he's decided, um, I'm, I'm in with the Resistance at this point. And definitely by the end of the movie, you know, he's ready to, to give himself up to save the resistance. Right. Foolishly. But, but, and and that's the thing. So many people, you know, so many people complain that the Canto bite sequence is a pointless, is a pointless, uh, part of the movie, but it's not true at all. That's it's, 
that's what that's a, a, a defining and monumental part of Finn's arc yeah. in this story. And the thing is, it's like Ray couldn't fulfill that role for him because Ray had her own her own separate journey. She kind of has dual loyalties in Last Jedi. She sort of and she's also trying to figure so much out herself. So you need Rose, you need Canto Bite, you need DJ, you know, to to introduce those things to him. And because I think I think a big part of DJ DJ's role in the movie too is that DJ shows Finn what uh, not choosing a side looks like, what being just out for yourself looks like. And I think that's what really pushes him to finally commit to the resistance. Yeah, like he's – like it, this, the sequence is always kind of described, and I think the best way to put it is you have Finn, and on one shoulder is the devil – the devil mm-hmm. on the shoulder, which is DJ saying, ah, dude, don't join. Go have yeah. fun. Be out for yourself like me. Like, look at me. I'm the, I, I serve myself. It's the best. And then you have Rose mm-hmm. on his other shoulder, like the angel saying, no, you gotta, you gotta fight for something more than yourself. There's more yeah. to, there's more to life than just having fun and, and just indulge, being self-indulgent. Yeah. There, there was that push and pull. And I guess, you know, we can debate how effective that was because people, I, I thought that was pretty clear how important that sequence was to the Finn character. Uh, but for whatever reason, like that sequence falls flat for many people. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I was thrilled the entire time. I still am. I, I don't understand it. Maybe there's not enough whiz bang pop, but I, I don't know. But as far as the, the war hero thing, Trying to get <laughs> this is going to go all over the place. I can tell already. <laughs> but Woo-hoo! the war hero thing, I wonder if that's just sort of like a just a turn of phrase, sort of like a I don't know, like like war hero. Like it's not necessarily um, faction based. It's sort of a neutral term. He was a war hero. You know, it's sort of you know, Revenge of the Sith heroes on both sides sort of he was a a rebellion hero we you know the empire had heroes that kind of thing uh maybe especially when you look look at it in the context of that scene where really the whole thing is done to highlight how ray and finn have different perspectives on the galaxy because ray knows him as a smuggler and finn knows him as as a, a general. Yeah, that is true. A past war. Yeah, I mean, looking at it from that perspective, like I, that is that is t- definitely valid for sure. I never considered that. Because I, 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 the way I looked at it was like, you know, First Order wants, from top down, they want their recruits to think thoroughly the way they they do at the top. So when you get a guy like Hux talking about uh, loathsome resistance and, you know, your, your precious princess, like there's just derision and hatred and uh, about anything associated with the resistance. I figured that would filter through and be passed down through the brainwashing program. Like you see a picture of Han Solo and they would just associate that with just the, the worst kind of things in terms of their, the way they, they uh, teach. Uh, yeah. Their, their oh, I, I don't, I don't think Phasma or Hux or Cardinal or any of those people would, would refer to Han Solo as a war hero. And they would probably send Finn for reconditioning if they heard him say it. Yeah. <laughs> but but I guess I guess sort of in this new context, I guess uh, I mean you could say that that could be a um an indicator of how oppressive living under the first order is that he's, you know, out from under them for a couple hours and he's already he already feels more free to speak. Or speak freely. <laughs> yeah, and and that that's true. Like he gets a little bit of fresh air, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, wow. Yeah, things are changing for me here. That that is, but that is strange. In that it probably way. helps when they're shooting at you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
might loosen your tongue a little. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that, again, but that would that would point to a, a real significant flaw within the first order programming if it can be broken that easily. But mm-hmm. then again, Finn is the only guy we know about who's who's had this breaking of his bonds. But then it and then and then it boils down to well, it's it's curious that in the movie called The Force Awakens, this guy's had an awakening. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think I think it's fair. I mean, I I don't necessarily believe that Finn is is a Jedi in the making. I don't believe that. No. Um. But I don't. I I'm not going to look at if someone says I I think he will be. I'm not going to say well you're an idiot because I think there's <laughs> I think there's certain clues that could lead people to that path. And if that's if that's the uh, the conclusion they come to, power to you until you know until Rise of Skywalker drops in a couple months. Uh, Maybe it proves it or disproves it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm. When you look at, you know, Finn is the first person we meet in that first, uh, the first Force Awakens teaser, going back to like I think November of 2014, and again, it's a film called The Force Awakens. Uh, he he gets to dabble with the lightsaber a bit, and then, you know, we we come to this new tra- this new trailer. And it's his voiceover leading it, and he's talking about the Force. Yeah. And I find that really interesting. And I, again, I don't, I, I'm not saying that Finn is, is Jedi in waiting, but I wonder if, um, I, I wonder if this, it, it, it leads Finn to not just being this believer in the Force, but somebody who maybe in a way like, like Lyra Urso or Jin, like they can, they can't tap into it, but they can feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's that extra voice in their head, almost maybe like a sixth sense, um, like just something this this inexplicable tingling in their bones that compels them to do something. Mm-hmm. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. Myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com because I mean, don't you find it curious that Finn is in the trailer explaining the force to somebody? It is interesting, isn't it? It is. Like, I, this is JJ's character uh, bringing his arc to a close, and that's the dialogue he chooses to to give to Finn at the saga's conclusion. That has to be significant in some way, because there's there's a lot of characters that. Nobody called it like okay. If, you know, we're giving our predictions for the trailers. Who's gonna? Whose voiceover might we hear? Oh, mm-hmm. we'll hear Luke. Oh, it's gonna be Palpatine. Maybe some more Leia. Oh, definitely Ray. Kylo. It's all the people at the core of the film, the Force-powered people. But then here comes Finn. He's got it, and he's talking about the Force. And it's like, oh wow, that is interesting to me. Really interesting. So anyway, I guess let's let's talk about how JJ will bring Finn full circle in the Rise of Skywalker because, like we talked about, he's found his place with the Resistance. He's not looking to run away anymore, uh, like he was through TFA and halfway through the Last Jedi. He's willing to fight with the Resistance right to the end, and I I assume that's where we're going to pick him up in Rise of Skywalker. But I also don't think that JJ's just just going to let Finn twist in the wind. Like he's just—he's oh, not, no. not going to be this guy who just fires a few blaster shots and just has this real flat story arc that adds nothing to the character in this movie. Uh, and again, this is one of JJ's main guys for this this saga. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we, we again, we can talk about issues with their their past, like Kylo and Ray. They have issues with their families and and belonging, and so I, I I expect that JJ and Chris Terrio will continue to cover that with Finn, but you know, how will that play out? You know, like Finn is Finn is still kind of is he even looking? I don't know, but th- like definitely finding your place is a is a theme and a question posed by Finn. Ray, Kylo, how, how do you see this relating to Finn? Well, <clears throat> I think killing Phasma was really the uh, the nail in the coffin of his old life. I think he's, I think he's fully um, committed to the resistance now. I think that's pretty clear by the end of the Last Jedi. But definitely seeing. Him in these trailers, he's he's definitely he's not running away anymore. That's for sure. He's, no. I mean, even even seeing him walking towards um, presumably Ray and Kylo on the Death Star wreckage. That's that's such a great shot. He is he's not running away anymore. He's walking towards. Towards yeah. the conflict, you know? he's screaming Ray again in that moment, which which is a direct callback to TFA when he's chasing after her when when Kylo's abducted her. Yeah. So you wonder so, wonder what brings it, wonder what makes that moment special this time around. But yeah, I, I'm yeah, with you. I I think he, I think Finn's gonna be a badass in this movie. I think he's like I I, I think he's gonna be the quintessential rebel. I think he's gonna be ready for the fight and and raring for the fight yeah itching for it let, let, let's do this let's go get these guys yeah and and in how phasma was sort of the symbolic killing phasma was sort of the symbolic putting down of fn2187 um i think that in this movie we're gonna see um him building towards something finally now that he's not uh running from something like i think he's going to be building his life with rose he's going to be building um the resistance or or you know working to build whatever comes after the first order um i think i think he's reached the point where he's he's not running away from the first order he's he's working towards something yeah and i guess what yeah exactly and and what is that you know like is is finn one to just let's finish this so i can go live my life with rose or whatever that's an interesting question though i wonder if if jj's gonna pick that up pick up on that because it seems like rose is not in this movie a whole hell of a lot Mm -hmm. so i wonder if if jj's gonna make it clear that yeah yeah, there's still a thing but you're only gonna see finn and you know if they're a couple, yeah, they'll maybe hug and maybe maybe they'll share a little kiss at the end of the movie. Or is yeah. JJ just going to kind of sweep that away? I don't know. Not that it really, I don't know that it really matters necessarily to Finn's story. No, and and I don't want Rose to be. I hope Rose is not just an appendage to Finn's character. Um, but I think that I definitely think that that will be part of it his relationship with rose will be part of the story but i think primarily uh finn's journey in this movie is going to be uh as a member of the resistance as a, as as rebel scum as he told phasma yeah he's definitely gonna be leading the fight and you see you see that quite symbolically in that trailer where he's on one of the orbacks i finally learned the name it's, yeah. it's in my head now. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just space horses anymore he's he's at the head of that group Ah, right behind BB-8. BB-8's kind of leading that charge. Good boy. Yeah. Good boy, BB-8. <laughs> but Finn is right there with Janna. And again, that's another character, right? Janna has been embedded into this movie. And we're in the everything we've seen, where Finn is, Janna is. So how does yeah. that character factor into, into Finn's story? Like, I, Janna looks like she's going to be a, 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 a fan favorite coming out of this pic- picture. I just called the movie a picture. Oh my god! <laughs> ah, the motion picture. Ah, I got. I, I am having. I am smoking this big fat cigar here. 
just so you know and you're drunk it's 11 a.m yeah 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 i've got my i've got my little little thing of whiskey here the cognac is is waiting i got my feet up on the desk it's this is me this is how i podcast but yeah it's it's i i think we're all gonna love jenna very much i wonder if her being a part of this movie kind of interferes with rose's potential in a little bit like wherever yeah. like rose could have been in those parts as well seemingly or you know re- yeah. i'm sure written in in a different way but it feels like jana might edge out rose not that, i'm not, and i'm not saying that finn and jana are going to end up being a couple it's just that any time that we could have spent with finn and rose yeah in the context of the story yeah it seems like jana is now fulfilling some sort of component to finn's story and yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah, because we do see her in the in the ship cockpit with with Finn. So we've seen them, you know, on the horses. We've seen them um, well, even, in the cockpit. So I mean, it's it's she's they're hanging around for quite a while. It would seem. Well, and that Vanity Fair photo with Finn mm. on the Orbach, Jana's right next to him. And if you look, right. if you look really closely at the uh, the Death Star wreckage where Finn is chasing after Ray. In the background, you see Jana. She's mm-hmm. she's right there. So where wherever she is, Finn is, Jana is. And yeah, that is very significant for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where she comes in to the story, like how far into the movie. Because I mean, they've got a lot. They've got a lot to get done. They've got, you know, they've got to go to Kajimi. They've got to, you know, it starts off and presumably they're on the rebel base or maybe the movie starts and they're on a mission and uh, you know we don't know how much happens before they even get to is it Pisan- is pasana where they meet jana or is that confirmed i don't remember i don't think that's been confirmed it could be because it could be. I mean, I, I've I've heard some spe- uh, speculation. I I I don't know for sure, obviously, but I think that there was speculation that she is actually they meet our, her on the planet that the Death Star is crashing. Was it Kier- Kef Kefbeer? Kefbeer. Yeah, that, and that. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's. I mean, not to go down a huge tangent on that, but that was something that sort of. Uh, flipped fandom on its ear a little bit this week we all assumed that that death star wreckage was definitely the forest moon of endor yeah but it's not it's... It, sh- it should have been that's stupid it's, it's neat I, yeah it's, I, mean, I think it's inconsequential at the end of the day but why not just keep things a little bit J- jj being jj yeah, he's, yeah just gotta put my stamp on it my planet george oh. not yours man <laughs> so, my moon of endor mine <laughs> it is a bit of a puzzling thing because it looks like i mean those opening shots definitely look like the forest moon of endor yeah so is is it going to be that do we are we going to have this needlessly clunky sequence where they're on the forest moon of endor hanging out with ewoks hiding out there and then going well, okay I, now we got to travel to the moon see that moon right there like now we got to go there it's like yeah well, i i never thought that they that opening shot was on endor i it, because Ray is obviously training because the the, the helmets there and, and all that. I, I don't think the resistance base. Well, I don't think the resistance base would be on Endor where the Death Star crashed, and I don't think she'd be training in the middle of a mission on Endor. So I I, I never really thought that that was that was where the base was or where that scene was taking place. But uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. The weird thing is, is like in the Vanity Fair photos, we've seen the Orbacks on on a planet somewhere because we've seen them on sand dunes, right? That's where we saw them. Did we? Did we? I, I feel like it was it was Jana and Finn. Well, we sitting see them on, on those the like grassy plains. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that sort of looks like um the shot from the the first teaser you know as they're walking across sort of a grassy field towards the ocean towards yes. the death star wreckage yes it kind of looks like the uh, sort of the tone and and the setting yeah to match that but then how do they get the ore box 
to wherever the space battle is, is happening. <laughs> that is a great question. So yeah, I mean, was there this settlement of people on Kefdir the whole Kefbir? Is it Kefbir? Kefbir. K E F B I R. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember if it's a D or a B, but yeah, Kefbir. Was there a settlement of people there the whole time, and they've been domesticating these these orbacks? So I guess at some point they they must load up a ship and take it into battle, which is going to be really weird, like herding animals onto a ship. Yeah. Here's a thought. Suppose that the, the settlers on Kefbir are scavengers who scavenge the Death Star wreckage. Would it be it would be interesting for Ray to encounter sort of a group sort of scavengers? Of a, yeah, a, sort of a and Jana sort of a sort of a surrogate for herself. And it would be interesting for, for Finn to encounter her as well. I mean, you know, this that would be the second time that he encounters a scavenger on a on a, a remote planet. Yeah. Or moon. Yep, that, that could be an interesting little wrinkle. Yeah. All right. Well, it's prob- mean, probably inconsequential, but <laughs> but you never know. You never yeah. know. It could it could be it, one of those things that thought. yeah, Just it could be one of those open threads that can be picked up on later on in a, in a book or a novel because you know that there's going to be at some point we're going to be reading like Jana issue number one. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Zori Bliss issue number one and Orbach Rising. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> lastly, here. Um, before we before we end this episode, like Finn's role in dismantling the First Order, I've I've had this long running theory that I subscribe to, and I voiced it in one of, I think we did like three three review episodes of the Last Jedi, as dense as that movie is, and that just that line that Finn uh, Phasma calling him a bug in the system, that mm-hmm. just stuck in my brain, and I thought, well, in ep- in episode nine, Finn will discover what it is that made him that bug in the system or he'll discover what that bug in the system is and find a way to exploit it in rise of skywalker and cause that stormtrooper rebellion which is something that like uh, not because i talked about it of course but it seemed like this thing that caught a little bit of fire in fandom where people are talking about finn leading a stormtrooper rebellion which kind of made sense because we thought well you know the resistance resistance will need help somewhere there's 12 of them left it would be awfully convenient if Finn would find a way to uh, deprogram, you know, a battalion or a, a squadron of stormtroopers and and exploit that bug that maybe they all have. Maybe it's far fetched, mm-hmm. but um, you know, going back to uh, my earlier point, maybe maybe Finn does feel the force, and again, not in that way that makes him uh, become a Jedi, but like Lyra Jin those types of characters. I, I, I don't know, but Finn's going to have to be sort of a, a central figure in tearing down the first order from the inside. Yeah. And I think some of those trailer shots kind of speak to that. He's, he's with uh, Poe and Chewie uh, kicking ass on top, on a, I guess inside of a first order star destroyer. Like they are, they're, they're heading for something. They're looking for something on that ship to, for somebody to, 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 Cap, you know, capture the capture the leader. Go after Pride. Go after Hux, or uh, destroy whatever. Just dest- destroy a ship. You'll destroy all the ships. I don't know, something like that. But Finn is going to be the, right there uh, as one of the people chiefly responsible for bringing down the First Order. Yeah. However, it works out. I think you're right. I think I think that he has to be. I think he has to be yeah. instrumental in in the destruction of the first order. Um, yeah, the bug in the system thing. I mean, the thing is the first order has some kind of reconditioning process. Um, we know that. So obviously this is something that occasionally, you know, we don't know the frequency of it, but okay. At least occasionally it does occur where the, the troop programming starts to break down. And they have to be sent for reconditioning. Yeah, like, so, like defragmenting a computer, like per- periodically, just give yeah. your hard drive a little cleanup, and and yeah. So I mean, you could you could assume that this happens all the time, 
And it was just coincidence that it happened to Finn when it did or, or sort of, I mean, it, it, this is one of those things that could have been building up for a while. I mean, the, one of the first lines we heard from Finn in the TFA trailer was I've got nothing to fight for. Yeah. And sort of, sort of that seems like that would be something that would build up over time. So I, I feel like it's sort of, it probably like a degradation of his programming had been happening for some time and it sort of culminated at that moment on Jakku. Um, and you could say, well, doesn't that kind of take some of the nobility out of it? Uh, or if, if it was all just a coincidence, but I mean, you can, you can then say, well, it was, the force at work and then that fixes all coincidences <laughs> yeah the ultimate and that yeah that's one that's one thing in, in star wars that can irritate me is is the hand yeah. wave of the force how oh it's the will of the force we couldn't write yeah. ourselves out of this but the force can <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like it might not be the the degradation of the programming might, might not be unique but you could say that um how it occurred in Finn or, or how it manifested in Finn or what it resulted in in Finn was unique to him. You know, in some troops, it could result in them turning into psychopaths. It could turn them into, you know, sniveling vegetables, you know, you, and Finn, it turned him, I mean, you could say it turned him into a coward or you could say it turned him into you know, I mean, you can interpret it however you like, but I mean, and that's sort of, that's sort of where I come at that from. It's, uh, I think if you view this as just, it just happened to Finn, I think it starts to sort of break down over, after a while. Yeah. Yeah. There ha there's, it, it, there ha for the, for Finn to be one of JJ's pillar characters, there has to be a reason for it. They they had to have conceived of a reason for these yeah. things to happen to him, rather than just, ah, eh, you know, we needed this, so we wrote it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think I've said my piece on Finn. Definitely yeah. an interesting character. I love Finn, and I hope JJ does him justice. I hope we get a lot of Finn in this movie, upcoming Rise of Skywalker. And that uh, his arc is brought to a, a satisfying conclusion, like something that is deserved and, and I think required for this character. He, John Boyega deserves it. Finn deserves it. We deserve it. We need Finn to have uh, a good capstone for his story. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out where he goes after the war is over. Like you said, you know, does he settle down with Rose and become a farmer? Or, I mean, I, I had my... I put a post in the Facebook group a few days ago um, where I said my hopes for Finn post Rise of Skywalker. So you can go and look for that if you haven't seen it. But I think there's a lot of potential for Finn going forward beyond this movie. Yeah, well, um, and we are we are assuming he survives. We, we know, well, like, we know JJ likes to kill his favorites. <laughs> I don't know if Finn's his favorite. Somebody, I guess Matt. I guess Maz somebody. is gonna die. Maz is gonna die. <laughs> JJ's gonna kill somebody. I don't know who. And I, when I try to think about one of these new characters being killed by JJ, I just can't get my head around it. But that's I another. Think, that's I don't another think topic. he has it in him. It would be tough because I think every, any character death would bring uh, some some pretty serious backlash, and I really mean that. Like whether he kills an old time favorite like like R2 or Chewbacca or 3PO or the Falcon or Lando yeah. for that matter I think there'll be I think I think it's needless at this point yeah to, I mean there, there's just too much potential especially these new characters Finn yeah. and Rey and Poe uh, there, there's too much potential for future stories I mean they're all young characters they've got you know potentially you know decades and decades of stories you know in their own lives not in real life obviously but in their own lives you you know you can tell an old lady ray story you know jedi grandmaster whatever yep. you know you can tell a, a finn smuggler you know maybe maybe finn inherits the falcon 
and him and Rose go off with their family and they're the new uh, ghost crew, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Or, you know, Poe becomes a becomes chancellor of the new new republic who knows yeah there's <laughs> there's so many ways this can go and i when you try to f- do the math and figure out well, who's jj going to get rid of because i i i know he's going to want to do it i know he's he's a, he's compelled to do it i mean he couldn't get rid of poe the first time <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, maybe that's it maybe this is but again geez it would it would almost seem like a waste to kill to kill uh, poe dameron at this point like yeah it would, it would seem weird. You kill Rose, you're going to get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. he kills off Rose, JJ's never going to hear the end of it. Uh, you could almost justify it for Ray, but not a chance. Like, they've, she's the face Uh-oh. of Galaxy's Edge. She's the hero of the saga. It would be a terrible look to kill off Ray. Mm-hmm. You know, Kylo, we all kind of expect, not all of us, but many of us think he's a goner. You know, and usually the bad guy pays the price, even if he is redeemed. Is, again, that's that's we've been there before. Are we going there again? It's uh, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I think it's legacy characters that are more likely to to bite it. You know, whether it be Chewie or three PO or Leia. Or oh yeah, that's right. We didn't even mention Leia. Yeah, maybe I mean, that's it. Maybe that's the easy easy out for. Well, I, I think that's the that's. I mean, how do you how do you deal with? You know, limited footage, limited time in the movie. You know, I mean, she can't. I she, I can't conceive of footage that they would have where she would interact with Kylo in any way. Yeah, oh, which, what a shame. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's the whole thing. So I I I just don't know why they would. You know, use that limited footage. Ha- use her in the have her alive in the rest of the movie and never cut back to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've been pretty adamant from the get go that I, I really think Leia's going to survive. And at the end, like she deserves it. She deserves to see peace finally restored, but it's, it's tough to see that come and come into fruition. It really is. Like if there's just not footage to use to get it done, they'll probably yeah. find a way to write her out, which will be tragic and, for, for many different reasons, not the least of which is, you know, the characters in the movie will certainly feel it. Mm-hmm. But you go, oh, geez, I mean, did they spoil that in the trailer? Finn's giving that, or Poe's giving that speech about good people will, will fight if we lead them. Leia's not in that shot. You'd think she would be. Yeah. Yeah. Is she already That's, a, that's a good point. point. Yeah, we don't know when that scene takes place either. I mean, that could be, if it's later in the movie... I guess that would kind of make sense that he's now, you know, top dog in the resistance. Yeah. And well, even just saying like, I always thought it was like an early, early part of the film thing because he says like good people will lead, uh, good people will fight if we lead us. And man, we are off topic now. Bonus, bonus Mm. uh, time here. (laughs) Uh, He says good people will fight if we lead them. That's sort of the thing you say before you have the people to lead. Like when, when you, when you have the people to fight, that's when you say you give the Braveheart speech or the uh, you know the the Return of the King speech, saying no, not today. This is the day we we fight back. Yeah. So I, I thought that was early in the film, but yet we didn't see Leia. Not to say that you know she can't be there, but nobody has pointed her out from what I could see. We pointed no, out after I, I, I don't and, see her. Uh, you know, Maz is here, and there's. There, there's R2's little strut. Found him. Oh, and there, there's someone who looks an awful lot like Zeb. Oh, really? I didn't see that. That's interesting. If you if you look um, over towards Maz, um, sort of behind Maz, there's there's a, a character or a creature there that looks an awful lot like it could be Zeb. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. let's leave an episode about Finn <laughs> on a note about Zeb. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right, guys, that's it. That's the end of the show. That is our, our Finn discussion. Let us know what you think. I'm very curious to hear where you guys think Finn started and where he is going. Uh, but don't forget, uh, Powerful Jedi supporters, as one of our top-tier patrons, uh, you get the perk to suggest a topic for us to tackle on a future episode of Luminous Being. So take advantage of that. If you want us to talk about something, if you want us to go deep on a particular item, hit us up. That is absolutely your your prerogative. Uh, And that's us done for another episode of Luminous Beings. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, let us know what you think. Uh, You can reach out to us by email, 
tumblingsaber at gmail.com. You can drop us a line on Twitter. I'm at tumblingsaber. Uh, Nathan, where can people find you? At NAF Roberts on Twitter. And yeah, just go to Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, and you can <laughs> find us find us both in the uh, Tumbling Saber closed Facebook group. You can find us there. Uh, that's it. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good one. May the Force be with you.